Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal lovers, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and as always, I thank you for tuning in and sharing your Saturday morning with us. Now, some of you may know that June is Adopt-A-Cat Month, and to shine the light on this special season, I've invited Paula Raybould, the Chief Innovation Officer for the American Humane Association, to talk about this, along with some other fabulous news from his organization. Then, after our halftime break, animal communicator Nancy Gardner will share some of her insights on how to help our pets be healthy and happy. This and more are coming right up after a quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I am so delighted to introduce our first guest of the morning. It's Paul Rabel, the Chief Innovation Officer from the American Humane Association. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Doing great, Marie. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on on this hot California day. <laughs> you have quite the title, Chief Innovation Officer. Tell me, what's that all about, and, and how does that work in with the mission of the Humane Society or Humane Association? In a, in a, in a nutshell, I have a, have a full business background, um, and I came into the nonprofit space for, uh, six or seven years ago. So essentially what innovation means is bringing in business best practices into the nonprofit space. So when you look at um, um, out, uh, outcomes, of the, the impactful work we do rather than output and, and the mission and um, just driving success around the nonprofit with a business hat on. So that's essentially what it means. Ah, okay. Well, I understand that you're involved in our adopt a cat month, which I know the Humane Association is always a big uh, promoter of. The entire month of June is adopt a cat month. So can you tell me a little bit about how you're involved with that and, and how the American Humane Association feels about National Adopt-A-Cat Month? Well, sure, I'd be happy to. So we, we always forget about the cats, right, because it's always about the doggies, where the cats deserve, deserve uh, loving homes too. And when Absolutely. you look at um, shelters around the country, there's about you know close to 8 million animals come into shelters each year. About half of those are euthanized each year, and about half of those are cats. Right. So what 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 Cat Adoption Month does? It, it just lets people know that uh, how wonderful a pet a cat does make. Often people think of cats as independent and don't really like to have too much human interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they do. They make wonderful pets. They Absolutely. have the same idiosyncrasies as we do. So it's all about matching up a cat with your lifestyle and, and, and who you are as a person and, and adopting uh, a wonderful animal from a shelter that needs a loving home. Absolutely. And not necessarily adopting a kitten, adopting a cat, which is what I like about the name. So many people go into animal shelters and the first pets that they're interested in are the kittens or the puppies. 
and they completely bypass the amazing, wonderful adult dogs and cats. And I tell you, you can't even possibly know the personality of a kitten. You have to wait until it's an adult to know what it's like. And at a shelter, you can visit with adult cats and see if they're friendly, see if they're playful, see if they're mellow. And it's such an amazing thing to really know what you're getting ahead of time. <laughs> it is, it is. You bring up a good point. And, of course, you know, with a cat, an adult cat, as with a dog, nine times out of ten, they've, they've already been acclimated to a home. So they know how to use a litter box. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know what a home's like. They know that there may be children in a home or other animals in a home. So I guess you could say with an adult cat, you're getting an animal that has some experience in living with humans. Whereas a kitten, as you say, you're not sure what you're going to get. And, well, um, actually, you are sure what you're going to get. You're going to get at least a year of no sleep. You're going yeah. to get a year of hands that are constantly bearing scars from roughhousing play. <laughs> yes. And probably lots of clothes that have uh, little um, threads hanging out of them from your kittens uh, pulling them out. And, of course, you know, a lot of kittens love to grab things and hide them away, and you never find them again. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Whereas with an adult cat, you have somebody who's mellow, who's just happy to be in a home and sit in your lap and purr, and it's just the most wonderful thing around. And what what I find kind of sad is this time of year, people who work in shelters and rescues, they call it kitten season. And that's because there are so many thousands of kittens that are born this time of year. And then, of course, the shelters see the impact of that, and they fill up with kittens so everybody is thrilled to see all these kittens and shelters that they could adopt, but it's a time of year that the adult cats are completely overlooked, and sadly, many, many, many wonderful cats are euthanized. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, of course, baby animals are cute, just like baby humans, but uh, there's a lot to be said, as I, I said uh, earlier, about getting an, an adult animal for all the reasons we've we've spoken about. Right. And they do... Cats do make wonderful pets. Um, mm-hmm. They do. And of course, they do. They do get a, a bad rap in the media. You know, you've got Gar- Garfield, the cat. That's <laughs> like see, you have the black cats that are doing all the, the evil things. So, um, <laughs> you know, they do make the, the cat cats. Cats have the, the, the media and movies and TV shows to um, and cartoon strips to go up against too. But they do. They do make wonderful pets. That's for sure. And especially, you know, if you're in a situation where you can't have a dog, right? Not everybody can have a dog and and exercise a dog and take it out for long runs and hikes. So um, cats are are certainly a good alternative depending on the lifestyle. So I wouldn't let your lifestyle necessarily put you off having a pet if you don't think you can get a dog because a cat can can fill that uh, gap fairly easily. And the nice thing about having a cat, if you want a pet but you're not sure if you're too busy, is if you have a cat, and let's say you have to go traveling for a couple of days, cats are pretty self-sufficient. So you can have somebody come over every day, once a day, and change the litter box and give them food and a little bit of petting, and and they'll be fine. Whereas if you have a dog, you have to have somebody come over several times a day, take the dog out for a little while, and do a whole lot more, and they really need way more care if you're out and about and have a busy traveling life. I just went 
away last weekend, and my kitties were fine and didn't even know I was gone. <laughs> my dogs, on the other hand, they were very upset that I was gone, and I was fortunate to have somebody who I know and trust come over and be a pet sitter, but she gave me the full report that the, the cats were a-okay and the dogs were the ones that missed me. So it's a big difference sure. from cats to dogs, and, and if you if you only have time for an animal that takes not as much time and energy, then the cat is the perfect pet for you. But then you also have to remember that kitties live 15 or 20 years. So this is a true commitment. You can't just get one and five years down the road when you get married or have kids decide that you don't want your pet anymore. It's it's a commitment that you truly have to consider for the lifetime of the pet, 15, 20 years, sometimes even longer than that. Well, that's right. That's why an adult cat... Um might fit your needs, or even a, an, an, an older cat. Oh, especially um, for senior citizens. I'm glad you brought that up. I know many shelters and rescues have a Seniors for Seniors program where if you're over a certain age, you can adopt a pet that's over a certain age. And that actually makes sense because if you're 85 years old, you're not necessarily going to be able to care for a pet for 15 or 20 years down the down the line. But if you get a pet who's already maybe 10 or 15 years old itself, then it's probably a good fit. Absolutely. You can age gracefully together. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, and that's why it's important. You touch on one of the things, you know, and the work we do at American Humane Association, we, we, we look at relinquishment. What, why do people relinquish animals back in to a shelter or a rescue? I mean, shelters do very important work, but there's also about 7,500 registered rescue organizations in this country they do equally important work too so you know either from a shelter or rescue get your kitty but these guys will have um counselors if you will so mm-hmm. go and talk to them about what you're looking for in an animal and right. um talk to them about their needs and if you never had a cat before how do you how do you make your home welcoming for the cat do you have children do you have dogs it's really i can't stress enough the importance of talking to the experts in, within the sheltering community about what is the best fit for you because their goal is to get animals in forever homes and they don't want them relinquished. And it's shown that in our research, it, animals that get relinquished are relinquished within the first two weeks back into the shelter. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's typically to do with, well, the cat doesn't use the litter box, you know, the, the puppies chewing the furniture, the cat scratching, you know, my new sofa... Um, rather than a medical issue. So it's really behavioral issues, so really understanding the needs of an animal. Mm-hmm. And quite, quite frankly, the cat. Cats don't need that much care, loving food, you know, veterinary care and so on and so forth. They don't, they don't need a whole lot of major conversions to the home. Right. You know, somewhere to scratch mm-hmm. uh, and a litter box. Um, and you're all and food, and, for, food and water and shelter and somewhere high. Yeah. You've got dogs, cats. Cats like to go high in a house to have somewhere they can climb up on, and that could be their their space. And in the case of one of my cats, that would be the top of my head while I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. I only have to do your homework. Do your homework. I was saying, do your homework because the last thing you want 
is, is bringing an animal into the house, it doesn't work out, you've got to relinquish it, and if children are involved, they have a negative experience, the animal has a negative experience, and you do too as an owner, right. and you probably won't have another pet in your life again. So just yeah. take the time to do a little bit of research. It just pays dividends that in the is, long run. That is the most important advice right there. We only have about a, a minute, but I wanted to ask you very quickly. You're involved in something called the Bipartisan Caucus for the Humane Bond, and if you could just put that in a nutshell for our listeners, I'd love for them to know about that. I will. So it's a bipartisan caucus, as you said, and it's really about looking at common-sense solutions based on science around animal health, welfare, well-being, how it aligns with human, specifically children. Uh, American Humane Association has children and animals in the mission. How it aligns to their health and well-being. And just really bringing to the forefront, you know, in a great uh, capital city of D.C., um, to the politicians that run the country and make the laws, the importance of the human-animal bond and how animals can benefit humans okay. in their lives, and, and, and then how do we make sure, as the custodians of animals, how we, um, how we take care of animals in, in our lives. Oh, that's great. So, so that's what it's about, so so it's that human-animal bond. Okay, so it's an advocacy program in Washington, D.C., that's making sure this is always front and center in front of our lawmakers. Correct, correct. Awesome. Paul, it is always great talking with you folks at the American Humane Association, and I'm always so impressed with your projects and initiatives, and thank you so much for sharing all this great information with us today. Well, Marie, thanks for having me on, and thanks for programs like this. We're heading in the right direction, and uh, animals are going to continue to play a a wonderful part in our lives, and, and thank you for your program. Thank you very much. And we need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, pet communicator Nancy Gardner will be stopping by and sharing the secrets to good communication with your own pets. This and more are coming right up just on the other side of a quick station break here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I am thrilled to introduce our next guest. It's animal communicator Nancy Gardner. Welcome to the Pet Place, Nancy. Thank you, Marie. The first thing I have to ask you is, what is an animal communicator? Well, an animal communicator is someone who communicates with animals. It's it's an exchange of nonverbal messages with an animal through thoughts. Okay. So it's often described as like a form of intuition. Ah, okay. And how did you determine that you were able to do this? How old were you, and and what was going on? Tell me. I mean, that had to have been a strange situation to recognize that. (laughs) Yes. Well, I've always loved animals and felt a connection with them. And when I was 18 years old, I learned of an animal communicator that was teaching classes. Um, So about 30 years ago, I took some classes on how to communicate with animals so I could hear their messages. Mm -hmm. And then what I did is I continued taking classes like intensive training and mentoring so I could learn to do this professionally and also teach others how to do it. So it's not a gift. Everybody's born with this ability. Okay. So it's. I've always felt that animals know 
what the other one is thinking and communicating without making any kind of verbal sound. So is that the same idea then? Yeah, I mean, obviously they communicate with body language and things like that, but they communicate with each other and with us through these thoughts all the time. Okay. And for most of us, we've just kind of tuned that all out in the hustle and bustle of the modern human life. Yeah, basically, um, you know, when we're born, we're born with the capability to communicate nonverbally, and then as we learn to interact through speech and writing and we're taught to ignore our intuition, we kind of lose that skill. Okay. Yeah. Now, when did you finally realize that you had it down, you had it mastered? Tell me about (laughs) that first experience. Was it a dog, a cat, a bird? Well, I've, I've been doing it for so long, but my actual very first experience was in a class I was sitting next to a lady with a dog, and the exercise was, you know, try to ask the dog mentally, what does your backyard look like? So, you know, I'm not knowing if I could do this or not or if it was real. I went ahead and wrote down whatever popped into my mind. It felt like my own imagination at first. Mm-hmm. You know, I described in detail what the, where the flowers were, what the porch looked like, and I just wrote it down and thought, what the heck? And I described it to the lady, and she said that's exactly what her yard looked like. So wow. that was my, my first experience. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. And from there, how did you progress, and what are you doing with this skill? Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm talk with animals all over the world now because distance doesn't matter with this. Okay. Um, so I pick up messages through pictures, sound, smell, and I help people with you know, whatever they call me about. Um, and I'm I'm doing animal communication regularly, but I'm teaching other people how to do it as well. So oh. currently that's that's what I'm doing with it. Oh, okay. Well, if somebody wanted to learn how to do this with their own pets, is that something that's available to them? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I teach classes on animal communication, and the way I teach is, we have each other, we have the students talk with an animal they don't know. Mm-hmm. So when they pick up the information and they ask the person about it, it's actually what I call verifiable information. So it proves to them that they are picking up the thoughts from the animal. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so it's it's a really great way to teach it. Do you have a website where somebody can learn more about this? Yeah. Um, my uh, I'm. You can contact me by email or phone, and my website is um, www. PetCommunicating with an ing. dot com, and it has information on upcoming classes. And if you want a consultation, how to get a hold of me, or if you want to host a class in your area, you can contact me about that too. Oh, that sounds fun! Yeah. Now, I, I met you at Pet Expo, and I believe you told me you also help with behavior. So, if somebody's having a behavior problem, that that somehow you can help with that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. You know, with by doing animal communication, you're picking up directly from the animal what's going on. So if there's a, a like um, fear aggression or separation anxiety or often a cat not using its litter box, I can find out from the animal exactly why that's happening. Okay. And then we can, um, you know, tell the owner and then they can make some changes. And so just talking to the animal sometimes can correct behavior, but, you know, they have this thing called free will. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it takes some additional suggestions or resources to help with that kind of thing. Right. I'm just thinking, you know, you yeah. could talk to a little kid who's having a tantrum and they're not going to care what you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. So 
you try and find out what the problem is. Maybe somebody's brought a new cat into a household that usually that in the past only had one cat who thought she was the queen, and now she's had to share and she's not happy, right? Yeah, that would be one instance. I mean, one cat I was talking to, I um, asked him why he wasn't using his litter box. He was going outside kind of in different places in the house, and um, he told me he didn't like that brand of litter that the scent was too strong. So how I picked that up was um, he showed me a picture of the litter box with a sense of a really strong perfume smell and a feeling of dislike for it. So it's Ah. it's picture, smell, and a feeling all at once, so simultaneously. Oh, that's very cool. And so you pass that along to the pet parents, and they switch the the litter brand to something that was perhaps unscented, and the problem went away. problem went away immediately. Very cool. Now, you mentioned something that has intrigued me. You said that distance does not matter. So let's say somebody has lost a pet, and they have no idea where it is. Are you able to connect with a lost pet and figure out where it is? Yeah, lost animals, those are tough cases. Um, They're very difficult. But because you don't need to be with the animal to communicate with them, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's very doable. The the one case I have, I talked to a a 10-week-old black kitten that was lost for three days. And I asked him what happened, and it was like a movie, like a memory of a movie where he ran out the front door around the side of the house past dogs and rabbits and was hiding in a debris pile in their backyard. So they went in their backyard and looked where I said to look, and he had been there for three days in that little pile. So, you know, it can be very successful finding lost animals, but they are they are very tough cases to do. Wow. Do you yeah. get very many lost animal cases? Yeah, they come in clumps, but yes, I do get lost animal cases. Um, you know, and most of them, if it hasn't been very long when the animal's lost, I can give them you know, resources on how to find a lost animal in addition to finding out from the animal maybe how it got out, which mm-hmm. way it turned and went, what its surroundings are now. And so it can help help lead them in the right direction. But if they've gotten very far, that might be a difficult task because once they get around the corner and around two more corners and three more corners, then the dog or the cat really has no way to explain what that is, what, where they're at. Yeah, you know, in that case, I would find out what the surroundings look like. Um, in some cases, somebody will pick the animal up and then drive a distance mm-hmm. away. So, you know, if they're not 100% successful because of those reasons, but I would say my success, you know, in finding lost animals, is pretty, my percentage is pretty high. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So what does somebody need to give you? So that you can establish that initial connection. So talking with an animal that's not with me, I can go off a picture of the animal or I can go off a description of the animal. And how does that allow you to actually communicate with that animal? So it's kind of like, I like to describe it like radio waves. You know, radio waves are traveling through the air from the radio station to your radio. You can't see them, but they're actually doing that. So... If I can connect with what the animal, a picture of the animal looks like, their name, um, I can connect with that animal's um, spirit. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And your success rate has been pretty high? I would say my success rate is probably about 80%. Wow. Getting verifiable information and helping people. So, you know, that's, that's pretty good. 
Um, you know, I have a lot of people calling me with lost animals, and then, you know, some people just want to find out, is my animal happy? Um, uh, if they have a rescue animal, what was its past like? So there's a lot of reasons. I'm sure a lot of people who have adopted pets from shelters or rescues would love to know the story of of their pet, yeah. where it was before they had it, and how it ended up in a shelter. That I know personally, I would have loved to have known that about the pets that I've adopted in the past, and and what traumatic experiences have led to certain behaviors that I see now, and that sort of thing. And and that could lead to a better relationship with a pet if you know those things, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think animal communication, whether you hire someone or learn to do it yourself, it definitely improves your relationship with your pet. Can you tell me what has been the most interesting case or cases, if you have a couple, that you've been involved with? Um, Yeah, well, the lost black kitten was a pretty interesting one, but there's a funny one I remember. Um, I was communicating with this woman in Montana with her uh, two cattle dogs doing a phone consultation, and during the consultation, the dogs kept interrupting and telling me that they really liked these brand-new white items their person had got them. So I brought it up a couple times during the communication, and she emphatically was saying, no, I haven't bought anything white. I don't know what they're talking about. So I said, if it makes sense later, just let me know. So we hang up from the consultation, and about 10 minutes later, she calls me back cracking up. She walks into the room next to her where she wasn't during the phone call, mm-hmm. Both her dogs are laying on their brand-new white dog beds. She just bought them. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> you know, often the animal might have a different point of view or something might be more important to them than it is to us. So right, that happens right. a lot. Oh, wow, that's very cool. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever get a white dog bed, though. Yeah, <laughs> that would be hard to clean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to ask you this last question. Can you communicate with animals that have passed away, or is that beyond the realm of what you do? Well, yes, I can, and the reason is because this type of communication is um, kind of talking with an animal that's not there. You don't have to be with them. Mm -hmm. As long as I can picture the animal, what it looked like in this lifetime, and I can tune into that animal's energy, I can connect with their spirit. So I could even get verifiable information from that because the animal can tell me... uh, Things that it did in, you know, memories it had in this lifetime. Oh, wow. And so, the, you know, if I say, oh, he used to do that, the person can verify that. And then a lot of people want to know how they felt about leaving and, and if the animal has maybe a message for their humans they want to tell them. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is all very fascinating, and our time is already up, if you can believe that. But I want to <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing some of these stories with us. Oh, thank you, Maria. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It is time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Today, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Bassett Hound Rescue of Southern California proudly presents their 16th annual Spring Games. Events will include synchronized swimming, treat toss, costume contests, agility courses, kissing contests, and more. 
Come enjoy the game, shopping, tail painting, artwork created by your favorite four-legged friend, barbecue, silent auction, and huge raffle. Best of all, you'll get a free WAG bag if you're one of the first 50 registered participants. Plus, receive a $50 discount for an on-site adoption if you're pre-approved. The event takes place at Arcadia Park, which is located at the corner of Santa Anita Avenue and Huntington Drive in the city of Arcadia. For more information, visit www.bassetthoundrescue.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. You can also find us on Facebook. We're listed under Pet Place Radio, and that's all one word. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.